0: And I learned how to read instructions. And there's kind of pathways right. with directing, and the path that I, t- I decided to start listening a little bit more about, like, uh, uh, about developing my own my 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 craft, and realizing that okay, nobody is going to just say here make your TV series that you know like you're so talented mm-hmm. and you haven't got you know you've got fuck all experience but you're super super talented so go here's all the money in the world and you're going to make your TV series that's not going to happen you got to earn it and you got to earn like you know the, the trust of the, the trust of your producers and the trust of your cast
1: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the podcast studios Dublin Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Hello there, filmmakers. This is F and I Chat. We hope you're all doing well out there. Um, today we have a fantastic guest. It is the director Laura Way. Um, she's a multi award winning director uh, who's received a lot of acclaim for her work on uh, drama television over the last couple of years, um, notably uh, a big. Episode, big landmark episode of EastEnders, known as the Consent Episode, which was nominated for Best Single Episode of the British Soap Awards and uh, went on to receive a BAFTA for it. Uh, She's also worked on Irish shows like Red Rock and Blood and has some very exciting stuff uh, coming out soon. Um, She is uh, brilliant to chat to. She is... uh, an amazing director, and uh, it was fantastic to kind of hear her story, her kind of unusual upbringing, uh, living in, in drama and theatre, and um, just how she's forged uh, her, her way in the industry. Um, it's a brilliant, brilliant lesson. So let's go to Laura Way. We are in the studio with Laura Way, and Steve Gunn is co-hosting. Uh, <laughs> how are we all doing? Good, yeah. Thanks very much. Uh, you made the journey up from Wexford. Yeah. You? Thanks very much. From the southeast. <laughs> very good. Um, so, yeah, tell us a bit about how you kind of got into the industry, first of all.
0: Uh, well, I have to go back to when I was four years old and my first memory of being in our very first theatre workshop. So my parents uh, ran a theatre company in Wexford. They had a 60-seater theatre. Uh, Black Box Theatre in Wexford Town from when I was about four to 13. That's 14. pretty cool. Yeah, and um, they did a lot of theatre. They met in Dublin and and uh, then they went over to England, for lived in London for a couple of years, and did were kind of working on theatre over there. They went to the Edinburgh Festival, put on a show called Emily in Space, I think it was called. And then they came back to Ireland and, uh, and with two others, then they set up the Wexford Theatre Workshop, which was then known as the Riff Raff Theatre Company. So, uh, yeah, so myself and my sister were kind of like circus kids. (laughs) So we were, you know, being brought up in the the arts in the 80s, we were um, extremely broke, but we were pretty rich in the type of exposure that we had to all these kind of incredible people that came in and out of the theatre over
2: the yeah. course of our childhood. Yeah. And your father directed and your mother acted as something?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, but really they both produced the shows as well, you know, so they would have introduced, I mean, in Wexford Town at the time, I think it had the, the, the Wexford Arts Centre was running at the time as well. So my mum and dad would have wanted to kind of bring some more kind of challenging theatre to, to a small town, I suppose, which was, um, you know, so they brought like Sam Shepard and Stephen Burkhoff and, wow. you know, um, put on like Sink the Belgrano and Maggie Thatcher was (laughs) was, you know just after she'd been in power and everything as well so um, so yeah I mean that was my childhood and you know my mum dressed up as Maggie Thatcher and they walked along the main street in Wexford to get some uh, punters into the the theatre to watch the shows and uh, they did Animal Farm uh, in the National Opera House as well so Yeah, there's loads of shows for years and years and years so that was my background and um, that's how I got started but then the theatre unfortunately look it was just the same as anything else in the 90s and there was no funding to keep it open Mm. so the theatre closed which was a really big loss to us however my mum and dad still continued to do like drama classes and put on shows when they could do that yeah Um, that's how I would have met Steve actually Mm. myself and Steve would have worked on a show together called Orange Flower Water right and we decided to that we should step outside of Wexford and maybe bring some productions to Dublin.
2: The big smoke.
0: The big smoke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we met in the Attic studio. Yeah. Graham Cantwell and Gary Duggan had written a, a film and he was he was doing bits of the scenes. So, um, yeah, that's funny. Going back, you, Caroline, was that now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Did you laughs> ten years. That, year's that?
0: More than ten years ago.
2: More than ten years.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. Like, my son is... 11 now. Okay,
2: wow. So 15. So I
0: think it was, yeah. 14 years ago, let's say. Ah, yeah, Yeah. let's just say 10.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you, when you did your leave and what did you, what were you like? I'm destined for the stage.
0: Oh, no, no. um, uh, Well, I wasn't very academic in school at all. So, like, school didn't really suit me in that way. But um, I wanted to go on the hop and smoking <clears throat> and drinking and that sort of thing when I was a teenager. And my sister was like four years older than me, so I just wanted to be out of school. But I had great crack in school, usually just trying to kinda finding ways in which you could avoid doing schoolwork. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um but I was good at English and, and art, I suppose. So um uh, I didn't do really very well in my leaving cert, so I like barely passed my leaving cert, and I went into like a secretary course just to do something after school. I went in to do a PLC course in, as a secretary, and then that lasted for like three weeks, and I left.
1: Mm. And because you were steeped in like the acting uh, scene and all that, were you kind of maybe not? it wasn't like fresh and new and something or, or were you were you interested in pursuing that
0: I, I was I mean like I always loved acting yeah, but yeah. I suppose I, at the, I wasn't thinking of it as a career I mean yeah. I did not I mean in saying that like I remember I applied I think to Trinity to do the acting course in Trinity but there's no I didn't have the maturity I wasn't right. mature enough I you know I kind of thought I could coast through a lot of stuff as well you yeah, know yeah. so when I was kind of challenged with having to go in and write a piece you know your, your application process was you had to kind of write about yourself and what you thought of theatre. And, and I was like, oh, my God, I've never had to actually put pen to paper <clears> about this stuff because it's just always been there and around me. Yeah. So I wasn't so good at that. OK. And um, I wasn't really... I was saying to you, even when we were talking about, like, you know, us having an interview... I didn't feel like I had the vocabulary that everybody else did. Right. You know, so I had an I guess kind of innate understanding of drama and conflicts and, you know, all those sort of things, but it came, it felt like it came more naturally yeah. to me and then as soon as I'd have to break it down then I would be scared because I feel like a fraud. Right, okay. <laughs> so, um but after school then I did um I did an outdoor pursuits course then as well in which I got pregnant at 18 and uh, I had my daughter at 19. <laughs> okay. So it was like, yeah, serious outdoor pursuits. And, uh, <laughs> and then I suppose like I felt that responsibility, you know, obviously like I was pregnant, I was 18 and I didn't know what I was going to do or what I wanted to do. I loved art so my sister had gone to study art in Sligo, and the nearest college to me, I was living at home with my daughter, and the nearest college to me was uh, WIT in Waterford, um, and I applied for that, but I didn't have enough points to get in. So my dad has always been, my mom and dad have always been, like, really, you know, just incredibly supportive. Of my No matter what I would have chosen to do, they just support me, you know, and we never really had any money to back that up or that any kind of financial support to back it up but they were, they've just always been there for me you know and they and uh, so my dad went up to the college and kind of talked to the to the head of the art department there and said look my daughter's been working in the theater her whole life so maybe you could add on an extra 15 points to her leaving and they did because I got through on the project you yeah, see, like yeah, so yeah. on the practical stuff yeah like i just you know i'd give it everything on the academic side of things i just You know, I didn't have what I needed. Yeah. You know, in a a traditional sense, I suppose, like to get into college. But but then, you know, I did very well when I was in college and I got on to the course. Yeah. So, and I think then I kind of discovered, like I started to rediscover performance a little bit. I was doing a lot of, I wasn't great at fine art. So I'm just saying how bad I was at everything. (laughs) But I was, like, so I, I love painting, thing. yeah, 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 and life drawing and painting and 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 I love the cr- the creativity of the projects. I suppose I didn't have like I suppose my sister was a really 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 beautiful painter. She had a great sense of like textures and color and all this sort of stuff, and I I didn't have that same thing, but I still always gravitated towards performance so then I started doing more performance art in college and uh, and then there was a kind of, there was, it was a multimedia course as well so we could do photography and we could do some editing and analogue editing and they had like these old kind of studio cameras in there that they brought in and so I started filming a lot of my work and um, I kind of fell in love with like there was a, what was his name? What was name that? um I'll think of his name, but there was like a performance artist that I really loved, and he did a lot of video work as well. And uh, I went to see some of his work in Hugh Lane Gallery, and uh, and that kind of inspired me to do more kind of performance vid- video performance work. Right. And so, and then we started editing it in college and using sound and this sort of thing. And that was then I was kind of gravitating towards that. But then when I finished college, I um, I got a job in Tile Savers because I was, like, totally broke and I had yeah. to earn some money.
1: Yeah.
0: And then...
1: And you're managing having a small child. Yeah, well, all. I mean, that's why
0: my parents were so right. fantastic.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, you, you know, and I, I suppose, like, you know, a lot of what I do now as well is, like, I work with Screen Wexford and the County Council to kind of do... to bring kind of film and TV to Wexford and to... Um, we're trying to develop a crew base and, and, um, and give opportunities to writers and, and creative people in Wexford because that it was a long journey of like you know I got because I got a college grant I was able to go to college um you know in my third year I didn't think I'd be able to make it through college in the third year because I didn't have the financial support to to for childminding and and I needed to live up in Waterford in my third year with my daughter but then the college you know I, I was told to go to the college and I talked to the college and they were saying they gave me that support to get through my third year. Right. So there was always, like, these kind of... There was a Wexford Area Partnership grant as well at the time. So there was all these little things that, like, if I hadn't have been given those grants, I definitely wouldn't be here. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. So... uh, And that kind of continued on over the years... Which I'll touch on, but but um, yeah. So uh, so after college, and I, I got a job in the radio in the local radio station, Southeast Radio. And I don't know, it was just a pure fluke that I got that one as well because yeah. I had no experience in broadcasting. So I was I was able to talk my way into yeah, yeah. it, um, and I was assistant broadcaster in Southeast Radio with Stephen D on the radio for about a year, and then. um and then I was doing outside broadcasts, but that's when I kind of started going. I really, really want to act together. Like, I mean, this is real. You know, this is something I've kind of pushed away for now a couple of years, but I'm missing the performance side of things. And we were still doing performance based work anyway in Wexford because mm. we were working with kids and doing, dra- you know, running drama classes and things like that. With my parents and and helping them out on shows when when they were doing them. And I think my dad did a like a Sam Shepard play uh, and. I was in that and then that gave me the buzz again to be an actor so I really wanted to do screen acting so the only way I could get experience of doing that was being an extra on a set so okay. went in I was an extra as an extra I started getting little small speaking roles then I was able to build up a bit of a reel and that's when I was able yeah. to try and then get a, um, an agent right. which then led to some kind of bit more regular acting work on TV and film
1: yeah. Yeah, and that's around the time you
2: guys. And we would
0: have met then around yeah. the attic studios was amazing at the yeah. time because. Oh, Didn't you befriend
2: bit. John Polito or something?
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Didn't
2: <laughs> well, you become friends me. with a Hollywood movie star, the guy from the Coen Brothers films?
0: But you see, that's what I'm talking about. Like mm. uh, the support over the years, not just the financial support, sure. but the people that I met. I was really lucky, hmm. and like so when I, uh, uh, what was the honeymooners? That yeah. was it, wasn't it? Yeah. The honeymooners. It was Paramount doing the honeymooners and and um and I was an extra on the set, and I was picked out to be john 's you know mott or whatever you know, whatever you call it, <laughs> mall or whatever you call it yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. hanging off his arm and we and we got on really well, and I was only supposed to be on it for like two days and he was like, "I want this girl she 's got to be on my <laughs> she 's got to be on my arm for every scene and uh, so we just we were just great friends and um and he was really supportive and you know, he said, "You know, you got, honey, you got to come out and stay with me in LA." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay, cool." I tell you what, I'd really like to make a short film um, someday, and you to be in it. Which it turned out he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, but uh, John was really generous, super super talented. He he was in a lot of the Coen Brothers movies, and um, uh, and he came to stay with me in Wexford. Right. So and myself and my partner at the time and my daughter and he came to stay with us and, and uh and so then you know, when I went out to LA, sure you met him as well. Mm, yeah. So myself and Steve went out to LA a few years later. Well I met Daryl. Oh you just met Daryl, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Daryl was John's partner. And uh, um, But, yeah, he was incredibly generous. And so when I eventually made my first short film, he loved it. It was on an L.A. film festival, and he came to see it with me. And he was like, I'll be in anything, anything you do. But unfortunately, like John passed away him, yeah. a few years ago right, okay. um, but I I have been really lucky that I've just met people that are supportive and believed in me and said yeah sure I'll do it I'll be, I'll be in your short film yeah. and like really
2: yeah yeah you know? and what were some of your first like TV gigs were you in Raw or something like that was it, well, it was just were you in Raw <laughs> no the clinic oh, the clinic okay
0: yeah so I was a psycho who tried to kill Dr. Dan <laughs> that's right yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. They did have meaty roles. It's a shame there's no kind of continuing drama like that at the moment. Well, careless. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but in terms of like a, you know, where there's 20 episodes, man, sure, or whatever, sure. you yeah. know, where people get to actually, you pop know, in and out.
2: Yeah. But the yeah. cool
0: thing about On the Clinic was then I met Janet Traynor. And she was a really, she is a really, really good director. And she'd won a lot of um, IFTAs for her documentaries. And she was working in drama at the time. She was on the clinic, and we stayed really good friends. So it was like right. it was like these these relationships were yeah. just so key. Yeah, and you don't know where, you know, when and where you're going to meet people again in ten years' time. So yeah, so be nice to people. Sure. <laughs> no, but not just that; it was they were key relationships yeah, yeah, that kind yeah. of helped build my confidence over the years, yeah. and uh, you and know, and I and advice then I could yeah, get from people yeah. who were experienced in the industry.
1: And so for for actors who are on sets, like you need to be making the most of those opportunities even if you might not think that you're going to end up behind the camera but you need to be
0: yeah well I mean I guess I mean look it's not that I mean you do have to be nice to people (laughs) like not that you have to be nice to people but you should be nice to people, you should be good to people you should treat everybody exactly the same I mean that's how I like to have my sets as well, it's like I don't see big hierarchies or anything like that it's not the way I work, I like to work and I've met people over the years who were, you know, maybe you know they might have been a third AD or they might have been like a fifth AD where they're like standing with an umbrella over you in the rain while they're getting soaked. Yeah. And they're producers now, you know. Yeah. They're and they and you just treat people with respect no matter, you know, what position they're in ever, you know. Yeah. It's just human decency, I think.
2: Human decency. We're all for that, aren't we, Paul? We are yeah. indeed. Yeah. And you did Anton as well with Graham.
0: Yeah, with Graham Cantwell. So um, I was the female lead in in Anton with Graham Cantwell. Graham was fantastic. I learned so much from Graham as well. He was so generous with his time, and because you know himself and uh, Rachel Rath ran the um, ran the attic studios, and that was it was an amazing time because we were kind of you know, these misfits that couldn't get any work as actors or, you know, we could barely get in the door with casting directors and stuff like that. <laughs> we had somewhere, we had no money. So the Attic Studios was all free mm-hmm. and we'd go out there on a Tuesday night and then you'd have writers and directors and actors. Sorry, I'm away from the mic. Um, but we had writers, directors, Irvin actors. Irvin Welsh you know, did a play there. Irvin Welsh yeah. was there. Yeah, Irvin you to Gary in. Duggan.
2: The infamous Terry McMahon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they would all come down and people would they would have written a script and, and you know, as actors and you were asked to do the reading of the script and we built up a lot of kind of relationships through the attic studios, like you know George Kane. Like you look at George yeah. now, like J- He's over George the is BBC work, working on loads of shows in in London now. So, um, Time Wasters is one of his big shows that he did okay. over there. Um, and I would have I remember been, like, him short films with, with him. Like
2: I remember him giving you a box set of Casavide stuff.
0: Oh I was right, like, Go okay, on, give me that after you. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sure. I never watched it. That's good. <laughs>
1: Uh, Looks good on the shelf. Yeah, probably. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of things I'm supposed to have watched, which I haven't. Um, but Which uh, brings us to Grotowski. <laughs> um, I was actually talking to you earlier. I so said, look, I've seen two Tarkovsky films. OK, okay? that's it. But.
2: What did I say? Grotowski, he's the theatre guy. Yeah. yeah. Tarkovsky.
0: Tarkovsky.
2: Yeah, for the rest of the podcast, let's talk about Russians.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but... You know those yeah, all of those relationships are so key, and you really, really figure that out, then you know like it's only ten years later that you're there going why wow, these are these are integral relationships mm-hmm. that I've made that i made early on, and we all kind of supported each other through it in some way or another over the years, we've already been able to stay in touch and mm-hmm. and like if something's bothering us, we can vent to somebody or we can just share our experiences and 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 I think that's I was a, only a thinking just
2: yesterday but, uh, leading up to this. Uh I was driving the car and I was in Fair City I know Paul from Fair City and also we have family which are <laughs> married and stuff <laughs> uh, We're cousins it's in it's law It's Ireland
0: Are you cousins in law Yeah so
2: sure we're all related <laughs> But uh, I remember thinking uh, I must give Laura a buzz because you know, I've but on TV for a while and things are going great and you were directing Red Rock at the time you know Yeah So we both done good which is nice yeah, How did you end up in Red Rock?
0: so, so.
2: Sorry, I've jumped. Years, you can go back. No, so
0: that's it. OK, because, I mean, look, a life story <laughs> takes some time, doesn't it? Um, OK, let me think what's kind of important to mention here. OK, so... After I did my second short film, which was funded by Screen Ireland, who was film or the film board at the time... Mm-hmm. Um, Sugar I, Stick no Sugar Stick was the, the first, first one up. and Johnny Boy was the second one okay. and that Johnny Boy is the one in which John polito was the the lead in mm. it um, I felt like because I was coming my background was as an actor and I felt that like I I just didn't know enough about like I'd been in that kind of actor bubble and I didn't know enough about production and I didn't I didn't feel like uh, that I, I knew enough technically and 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 you know what happens behind the scenes and so therefore I can't talk with any authority about certain areas so I need to learn m- more about that so I had made my first short film that was made on three hundred quid I didn't have an intention of being a director I was just like oh I have this idea and I just really want to make it and now I have all these friends from the attic and I know oh, people and they come down and they did me some favours and we shot it like oh, in, a, in a day and a night I got my mother to play the lead role and my and my mother's best friend and it's still one of my favourite things that I've ever made right. it was made for 300 i say 300 quid but yeah. actually it was a lot of favours that people kind of yeah. you know worked for free on it and the post-production actually George cut it for me George Kane cut it and um and and then and then I did and then I did Johnny Boy. So so then after that there was like this. I felt like there was kind of a skills gap for me or something like that. So I needed to learn more about film, and I did the masters in film base. It was the first year that film base were doing a masters in digital feature film production with um, Staffordshire University. So um, I went to to Alan uh, Fitzpatrick. Who's, who was the head of film base at the time. And I just said, I can't... Look, I live in Wexford. I can't afford to do this, but I'd love to do it. And they gave me a bursary to do it, wow. to do the Masters. Yeah. And um, and it was great. Like, there was lots of things. It was a guinea pig year, so there was lots of things that were a bit crazy. But right. it was was really glad that I did it. I had an opportunity then to direct... A feature, there's three of us that worked on a feature kind of co-directed this feature film mm-hmm. and learned a lot th- through that and, and, and I guess what I learned as well was to have a little bit more confidence in the experience that I had mm. you know as an actor and I think I always felt that I was, that I wasn't good enough technically and in fact I kind of had an advantage because I'd been working with actors for years and years and we have been working in theatre and I have kind of over the years, I've realised that's more of an advantage now. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the Red Rock thing, then, so that will happen after I did my my masters. Was I was working away on my own stuff, so I was trying to like I might be doing kind of corporates, but within the corporate, you know, they'd say, oh yeah, would you do something for us and I the, in the the company? And I'd say, yeah, but can I have a, just can, I, can I have a story? So I'd be like making right. kind of short films out of these corporates. Right, so I was yeah, working yeah. with Barry Doyle was the was a DOP that I'd met on my uh, on my masters, and he was just incredibly supportive, and he was always shooting everything that I did, and the two of us were just kind of like a a, a team. Um, and shooting a lot of stuff together. So, um so I was kind of a, starting to develop my my craft as a filmmaker as well by by doing the corporates. Um and I was starting to build up kind of a portfolio of what I thought was pretty good work. Um and promos for features and ideas that I that that I'd have and um and so then I ended up being uh, looking for an opportunity to work with another production company in Dublin or wherever, all the big production companies, and I just couldn't get in the door at all. You know, right. I couldn't get... Yeah. Like, I would sent things to, to a number of production companies and people would get back, but you wouldn't really get a response or you couldn't really get a meeting. Mm. So um, Lenny Abramson had actually taught me on my master's So after about kind of five years, I had set up my production company and just really scraping by all the time. Yeah. I just sent him some of my work and I just said, look, this is what I'm working on. I understand if you don't, you know, if you don't have time to meet me, but maybe you could have a quick look. And if you had an hour, I'd really appreciate just to get some advice off you. Um, And so I met and Lenny agreed to meet me. And when he met me, he said, "Oh yeah, your work looks good." And he sent a text and that he told me about the Shadow program that was starting in Red Rock, uh which I was trying to get onto. I didn't know how I could get onto it. Yeah. And uh so he sent a text to somebody in Element and uh, it was actually Paul Heffernan in Element. And so I got a meeting and that's all I wanted. All I wanted was to get my foot in the door yeah. and if I fuck it up then it's my own fault. Right. But if I can just get my foot in the door yeah, that yeah, would be great. Yeah. And so uh I had... Um, Paula was brilliant. She invited me to come onto the Shadow programme, which was a five-week Shadow programme, and I was... Um, I was shadowing Colleen O'Scully, who, you know... Co- yeah, Colleen. I've worked with him as well, so, mm. Do you know Colleen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Colleen, I couldn't have asked to be with a better director. He was so unbelievably generous. I don't know that I could do what he did, which is he gave me, like, seven scenes from his block of of Red Rock... So that I could direct them, and he trusted me to do yeah, that, yeah. so that I was given that opportunity for the producers to see that i could that I could direct yeah. and that I could direct under pressure and within the time constraints of Red Rock as well so I mean he like i'm just forever grateful to him because he was just fantastic and um, and so then because of that then I, then I approached Red Rock again and I was like have you got any episodes and they were like well we do <laughs> so, and I was given two episodes then to direct Red Rock and um, uh, John York was the producer at the time and then John liked my work and a couple of the directors from Red Rock and he invited us to come over to, um, to EastEnders yeah. and he did like a three day training course for, for the directors uh, Connor Morrissey Hannah Quinn myself and um, and Bruce Bruce Webb. Right. So there was four of us that came over from Red Rock and yeah. and they they put on and like they really went to you know to some lengths yeah. because they got actors in and everything you know, like to show just how Eastenders work. They brought in actors so that we could work with them beforehand as part of the training. Yeah. We did like a 3-day training course. So um and and I suppose from there then I I got a block on Eastenders yeah. and then I got a special on Eastenders which did very well. so And I was,
1: that must be like, I'd say Red Rock was fairly chaotic because they were shooting so much on such a low budget. What, how did it compare then to EastEnders? Was that more of a machine?
0: EastEnders is a machine, but by the time I was working on Red Rock, Red Rock had become a bit of a machine as well. Right. Uh, there was probably more collaboration, I think, on Red Rock than EastEnders because they've been doing it for like 30 years or something like right. that. Um, like... But there was a heart and soul in Red Rock that you just could you know, like actually the last job I just worked on was very similar to that where it was just this the heart and soul, everybody just really wanted to to make it work. They yeah. wanted they were ambitious about the show. They wanted like all the directors were ambitious about the show. You know, we had a really, really tight schedule. Yeah. But there was uh, there was an awful lot of respect for directors and what they were working with and against and and uh, the cast were fantastic because they were like sometimes they were getting like scenes thrown at them yeah, yeah, yeah. that had been kind of adjusted the day before. I don't know if you had that on Fair City probably a bit as well where you know maybe scripts might change.
2: occasionally occasionally but not not too often. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think we had a bit of a when I started there was a bit of there had been a bit of a backlog where they were catching up with scripts so it was kind of like I remember like five days before we were shooting like, like you got the final script kind of five days before you were shooting you're like, holy shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I, I do, but to me I the funny thing is I keep on ending up in those kind of situations where on these shows where maybe it's just all the same maybe or maybe it's me I don't know but there's the theatre background I think serves like really serves me well because you got to invent things kind of really quickly or even you see you see decisions like, Jack Nicholson, you know.
2: Nicholson on The Shining kind of going these are new pages and we're going to do them today yeah. you know mm. it does Sometimes happen people, I, think, yeah. Yeah, I, think, I think I did a movie around the corner and it was like one scene and uh, I was like oh this is a proper movie now this is a Hollywood movie so everything's going to be different and they're like oh we don't know if we're going to get to your scene or oh, we've got 20 minutes to do your scene yeah. I was like this is just like fucking soap <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah 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 I think it's, yeah. It, it just depends on the show as well yeah. and like when you really care I think actually the other thing is when you really care mm. there's going to be changes mm. because like you know as, as the show kind of progresses it might be something that's kind of come up they're like oh hang on we didn't see that or mm. you know there, there's something that the actor has identified that we hadn't identified before and now we need to really work on this because it's just maybe a tweak in one line. It doesn't mean that yeah. we have to write blocks and reams and reams and stuff about it. But 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 there's one line that just doesn't. It you know the it just changes the meaning of it that we have to fix, and that could could take like a half hour discussion about that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so those things kind of happen all the time. And when uh, everybody cares about what they're doing, then I think there's constant. It's always changing.
1: Hello, filmmakers. So this is the mid part of the show we're trying this out as of uh the last couple of weeks our new kind of format um so yeah we're we're, we use this to kind of talk about a little bit of news about what's happening in the industry so if you have any news that you want to share with us um that you think we should know about if there's a competition or a Course or a scheme or something um, that we may not know about, please get in touch and let us know at info at wearefni.com. And uh, we want this to be a space to kind of share news and make sure that people are kind of up to date. One of the issues with kind of, you know, people don't want to be online all the time. So, you know, uh, if there's other ways of making sure that people can... Stay informed, other than scrolling on their on their social media feeds all the time or whatever. Um, so yeah, to that end, there is a new newsletter being set up uh, with FNI. So if you go to we are fni you can sign up for that newsletter. Um, keep an eye out for courses with yeah FNI, um, like the Hugh and Bremer course, which is uh, coming up. If you're interested in that, you can register your interest on the website there and uh, outside of F&I just heard that Storyland is coming back and uh, so keep an eye out for that definitely worth having a look and seeing what you have in the drawer there Um, and there's going to be uh, a lot of talk about that over the next while so check
2: that out and um, yeah let's go back to Laura Way. Laura is were you well? nominated for the special the EastEnders special?
0: Oh that's right. <laughs> <What>
2: <laughs> would you like to talk about that? Uh, <laughs>
0: yes yeah, <so I'm> <laughs> I have to refresh my memory now dear one second. All the awards. Um, uh, so yeah there was the soap what was it the British soap what the hell was it was soap awards British soap awards okay yeah I think. Um, The British Soap Awards, yeah, so I did a special called, it was the Consent Special with EastEnders. And that was an amazing experience because they, John York and...
2: uh, Whose book, Into the Woods, everyone should read. Yes. Yeah, it's great.
0: um, Had asked me to, to, to do this special. So I agreed to do it and, and uh, it was all set in the Vic and it was all principal characters, again, the main characters from uh, EastEnders were all going to be in the Vic for four days. Right. I mean, it was going to be pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but they just gave me a lot of creative freedom. So I, I wanted to do like a continuous shot through the Vic yeah. To music, to a piece of music. That actually Anya Reese was the writer and she was a playwright and she had written it like a play. Yeah. Um, but the opening scene was like a page and a half long and it was all to do with looks. Characters this character comes into the bar mm. and they look over at this person and then they go I was like, fuck now, if we're cutting this it's gonna look crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like cut, I, cut get all those all those moments. But we didn't want to lose any of those moments because mm. there was so much weight in all the relationships between all these characters over the years that had lived on the square. So it couldn't be anything else but a continuous shot, but of course we hadn't done that You're before set up, in the really in set set for centers. It, yeah, no, it's not because yeah, we've got yeah. the studio cameras and they're on the big kind of mm. tripods and wheels and all this sort of stuff. and uh, But they we brought in um, the movi so movi is like it's on a gimbal and you can you have a lot more freedom with the movi so you can kind of pass the camera you know so it keeps the the camera very steady like a steady cam shot yeah. but you can pass the camera over the bar or you can you know you can reach up and another operator that can then take it off you and it looks like this continuous shot so or it is a continuous shot um and so um So we started in the front of the bar and then we followed one of the lead characters out. We follow her and then we go all the way through the bar. We get all those little looks and moments as we block it so the characters are coming in and crossing each other and then the camera follows them. And it was, I mean, it was brilliant to do. Um, It took some time because, you know, we weren't scheduled really to have like a a morning shoot just for one shot. Yeah. But it was worth us doing it. And um, uh, so... I wanted to kind of link each of the scenes. So basically, there's this character, who uh, who's based kind of more or less on the rugby rape trial, um, right. and she, the last we'd seen of her, that she, the door had shut behind her after she had kissed one guy, and then she had, and then another guy had kind of followed her into the apartment, and then we don't know what happened after that. But she comes back and she tells her friend that, that she's not really quite sure what happened either because she had consensual sex with one of the men. Mm. But she woke up and one of the other men was raping her in the bed. And then she fell back asleep because she was so drunk. So this was this big conversation. You know, like, obviously, you know, was like this topic that was very tricky to do because yeah. in many ways, I suppose, the show wanted to have a lot of ambiguity around whether she was telling the truth or not. But we absolutely had to make a decision. We couldn't be ambiguous. We had to make a decision. Was she raped or was she not raped? The woman knows if she was raped. You know, anybody yeah. who was yeah. raped knows that they were raped. Yeah. Or even if they, like, if they have questions about it, it was, didn't feel right and it was wrong. So she, um, so, uh, that was a big thing that we were kind of we were working on with the editors because they were still saying, well, we still want there to be grey areas. And said, so we like, OK, that's fine for the audience. So grey areas for the audience, but not for us. Yeah. So we have to make a decision about what happened. So we did make the decision. And then and so this. So Anu Reese then wrote this episode, which was uh, that it had just come out. She had charged the two guys with rape and. So I wanted them with rape and the other one with kind of. Uh, what is the, you know... Um,
1: accessory.
0: Yeah, yeah, accessory to kind of thing. So anyway, the two char- characters were charged with that and um, uh, in the, it had just come out in the paper and all the characters are talking about this storyline. So they're all in the Vic, Queen Vic, and they're all talking about, well, you know, did this happen or didn't it happen to, mm. this, to this person? So, uh, but they don't know who it is. So they're all talking about their own kind of experiences of what consent means. And so we go travel from each table to another table. Then, you know, we're getting all these different opinions, which basically is kind of the voice of the reflection of society. Of reflection of yeah. of society. Yeah. And Annie Reese really wrote, it was brilliantly written. And the, uh, the actors were amazing in it as well. And they were all very patient. It gets like a melting pot inside the Queen Vic. It's actually quite a small space. And we're right. shooting there for four days. But... I I went to them beforehand and I showed them like, look, here's a floor plan. This is what we're doing. Please just be patient. Be patient with me. Like, you know, just give me your trust. Please. It's like
2: the numbers at the traffic light. You know, if you can see it counting down, you're like, okay, I can wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So I just, so they were very patient because these guys, they're used to working at a certain pace, as you know, in Fair City, they're used to working at a certain pace. So you're in and you're out, and then you can plan the rest of your day, and that's that's the way it goes, and it works well for them because they're constantly working all the. Time. Time um, because if they're not on the show, they're prepping for you know f- for the next day. So, anyway, they were fantastic. So, this was the, this was the episode it was about consent, and, um, and that was nominated for the, the soap awards. And then it was also one of four episodes which was put forward for the BAFTA, and EastEnders won the BAFTA then in 20, 20, 2019, was it 2020.
2: Twenty nineteen. What not? Twenty nineteen. 2019.
0: 2019. No, I mean, yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah. So um so it was just amazing to yeah. be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, really yeah. was. Yeah. And then jo- uh, John York then uh emailed me and said, You've got a quarter of a BAFTA and I was like, Yeah, I can <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. Can you, was, you post that to amazing. me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was ama- I still haven't seen that because I haven't been over since. But um so yeah, that was just kind of yeah. a, a bizarre
1: Situation. And are you, so are you, you're a working director, do you have an agent, or how does that work in terms of?
0: Yeah, so uh, my agent is Peter McFarlane from McFarlane Chard. Um, I didn't have an agent at first, but um, the Screen Directors Guild, there's Birch Hamilton in the Screen Directors Guild, is really just amazing, and she's always working for directors, you know, all the time behind the scenes. Um, and I think Peter was just setting up. So he had, you know, he has his base in London, but he was setting up his kind of his Dublin office, and they were starting to take on more directors. It wasn't something that he was doing before. He wasn't really representing directors before. So, um, and Birch recommended that we meet, and so we met, and I got on great with Peter. He's really lovely, um, very down to earth guy, and really good at his job, obviously, and. <laughs> So we get on very well, and he's my agent, and he's great support all the time.
1: Yeah. And how did Blood come about then? Uh,
0: So I was coming back... I I used to get the rail and sail, because, you know, I'm in Wexford.
1: Right. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Because I booked so many flights, and then I'd end up in Heathrow, and I was supposed to be in Stansted. It's just... (laughs) <laughs>
2: you're, you're an Essex wreck. girl originally aren't you Laura oh
0: yeah I am an Essex girl I was actually born in Essex yeah. really yeah yeah, okay. Romford uh, so yeah and uh, anyway so look, uh, the flight thing was just wrecking my head I'd, I'd, I'd book Heathrow and I'd meant to be in Stansted and I'd leave a car in an airport or this sort of thing and it was just <laughs> a nightmare yeah. I was like okay I'm just going on the rail, rail and sail 50 quid I can work all day mm-hmm. go from Rosslair uh, on the boat take out my laptop work all day have a uh, and then I'm in Paddington station for five six, o'clock six, yeah, five o'clock six yeah. right so um, so I had made a decision I, I I had been in London quite a bit and I'd been away from my son quite a bit and I just made a decision when I was coming back on the boat I I, I think I'm, I can't do another stint in London yeah. for a while yeah I really really hope that like something comes up in Ireland and I got some Wi-Fi on the boat, we were like, getting closer to Ross Lair and an email came through from Paula Heffernan saying there's this show called Blood and Ingrid Goodwin is the producer uh, Sophie Petzl and uh, Jonathan Fitch- Fisher are the producers on it and would you like to interview for it? And I was like yes class yeah. <laughs> it's shooting in Ireland yeah. you know so it's funny. It's, a, it's like sometimes I find like I kind of have to trust myself a little bit in my decisions and say no. I'm not going to do the I'm going to say no mm. to something and cuz I'd always say always say yes. Yeah. You know, but then there's sometimes saying no at the right time or just to yourself or even yeah. in your own head and saying like I'm going to have to I'm going to have to leave this for a while and try try something else. Um always seems to kind of have paid off for me yeah. in a way, you know. Yeah. Well, that was just, maybe it's just fortuitous anyway but but the great thing was is that John York you know we just won the BAFTA we had been nominated for the Soap Award. So I was like, hi, John, can you send me a really amazing reference? <laughs> so he did. And um, I met with Ingrid and, and Sophie and Jonathan. And they were all, they were fantastic. And I just really wanted to work with them. And, and it seemed like a great team. And then Hannah Quinn had just done the first season as well. Um, and Lisa Mulcahy. They had done an amazing job on it. The show was really good. I really enjoyed it. And mm. it's just quality writing. Sophie's a really good writer. and uh, And so... Yeah, it was a no-brainer, and it was my first step into kind of longer drama then as well. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, Um Although, in saying that, Red Rock was had, was an hour long at that stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, it had originally been a half-hour episode, so mm. it was
1: Yeah, because yeah. it had kind of shaken off the kind of soap. It wasn't... Yeah, it
0: yeah. was then like their flagship kind of drama, wasn't right. it, yeah. on yeah. TV3?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what's happening now? You said you just finished a project. Can you tell us about it?
0: Yeah, it's called The Holiday. Um, it was with Clapperboard Pictures and Projector Pictures and they're London-based production companies. It's for Channel 5 and it's an adaptation of a book called The Holiday um, written by T.S. Logan. So uh, he, he, this book was one of the Richard and Julie bestsellers. So he's... All, sorry, Richard and Judy. Judy. yeah. bestseller. <laughs> Uh, and um, so it already had like an established audience and um, I was approached for that then I think that was last, Uh, jeez when did I start that? It's all a blur, oh yeah so it was like in January, I think before Christmas they approached me um, to pitch for it and (laughs) so I met with Susie McIntosh and Mike Benson um, and uh, Rachel Guesswa and the three of them, I did a meeting with them and I had pitched for it. So I'd read the script, but also I read the book as well. Um, I read the script first because, uh, you know, I just wanted to see, hmm. you know, what the show was about without kind of being influenced by the book. Yeah. And actually, it was a really, really good a- adaptation. It was Michael Crompton was the writer. And uh, so they asked me to come on board and they had one script at the time. Um, we kind of had a bit of early development because we were supposed to be shooting in Tenerife and then we ended up shooting in Malta. So that was good because we had a little bit more kind of soft development with with Michael and Susie yeah. uh, so that we could work on the scripts a, a bit more. And, I mean, the turnaround was pretty fast. So by... I think we were shooting in March or April or something so like that. Was that
2: pre-pandemic then?
0: Mm. That was during the pandemic.
2: OK, so you Thank signed... You. A, OK, yeah.
0: So the thing was in Malta that there was no lockdown in Malta when we came out, and then the following week, then it was full lockdown. OK. So we were shooting through full lockdown as well. So, yeah, shooting in COVID was tricky. Yeah. But Julie Ryan was the producer, I don't know if you know, of Julie. Well, she's fantastic. And she's a MK1... Well, production. let me tell you. I, let me tell you, she's... <laughs> yeah, she's a thing she's great she really like it's lovely lovely to work with somebody like julie and because our execs couldn't come out as well there was there was the two of us and and um des martin who's our line producer i was given a lot of trust on the show and it was my first time actually you know directing a full tv series and having like being the the creative voice behind yeah, yeah. behind the show. like Yeah. You amazing. Know? Yeah. So in
2: a uh, holiday destination. In
0: yeah. a holiday
2: destination. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> Didn't see much of it though. <laughs> <Okay. Right. laughs> I mean it was full on. Yeah. You know, like the yeah. schedule was pretty tight. And we yeah. understood that like the, the budget was not like it was it wasn't a huge budget. There was enough of a budget but like mm. working COVID times as well, like suddenly all of a sudden the you know the costs went up. We have it to quarantine actors who were coming from England. There was, it was kind yeah. of it was really it's tricky. Kafka, yeah, 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 it was yeah. tricky. Yeah. Um we had like our main lo- one of our main locations fall through just sitting out and kind of in the last week and had to get a new DOP and <laughs> so somebody oh, had started.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. there was
0: a lot of things kind of thrown at us for the production. Um, and like five days before we were shooting, um, Evan Barry, who was my my cinematographer, came over and he was starting out, He just he just done a feature film. He'd done a lot of commercials and short films and a feature film. So. But this is his first TV series as well. So there was, a, you know, we had to really pull together. And it gave me that same feeling of what we had on Red Rock. Right. It's really like, it's like, okay, look at... There's a couple of things being thrown at us here
2: Yeah. <laughs> and that goes right to back to your together. youth in the te- in the theater and all with the with yeah, it all the, does, you know, it does. the show up.
0: Yeah, it is. It's like yeah. the show must go on, right? Yeah. And like no matter what the show must go on. And like we had loads of lengthy discussions about can we push this any further? We couldn't you know, we you know, we couldn't push back the date or anything like that. So we'd had to just keep moving forward. Yeah. And Julie Ryan, Julie Ryan was the producer, just gone on really, really well with Julie. She's really fantastic. She's I've never seen anyone who can deal with people in the way that she does yeah, yeah, yeah. she was great and uh, and just very down to earth um, and realistic and I suppose because we were coming from low budget shoots as well I mean that's where I was coming like not just mm. the theatre but low budget mm. shoots as mm. well mm. meant that we we knew what was kind of what was possible to do you know within a kind of a limited yeah limited uh, Sounds
1: and it's all done all
0: yeah so edited. it's a four part mini series yeah. um, and yeah, we we wrapped on it maybe about six weeks ago. Amazing. Um, and it's coming out in Channel 5 in January. So keep an eye out for Can't it. Can't
2: wait. Yeah. So you, you were involved weird. in the editing as well, no? Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, what do you mean, involved in the editing?
2: Were you not up uh, cutting it?
0: You, no, I, I don't cut it.
2: No, no, no. But you you got to be involved in that process, no? Oh,
0: yeah. No, no, yeah, I yeah. Mean, well, I mean, I don't think I would be on a show that I wasn't. Of
2: okay, I, maybe it's because I'm ignorant. I, I, I'm sure there's directors out there who get to shoot it and then they're like, thanks very much, all the best. With drama? No? Not, not uh, well, much. I don't know. No, I, don't I think, think like
0: maybe. But well, I'm sure the there's a listener out there is, who didn't get, know like, that either. I have heard, like, there's like, like, you get four days of a director, you know, like... Yeah. A, no, I mean, it, look, it, the way it works is that you get, like, a, maybe a week before you deliver a director's cut. Okay. Like, I mean, really, the, the turnaround was pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you're given your notes by the, the by the execs. And then, then we kind of adapt, you know, like then we try and see what we can, mm. what we agree on. Did you watch can... the
2: first episode of Curbed, your enthusiasm?
0: Did I watch the very first
2: episode? No, the first episode of the new season.
0: Oh, no, no, no.
2: Because he, he goes to Netflix and he's like, I'm not taking any notes. And they're like, oh, you're funny. He's like, no, it's not a joke. I'm not taking notes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah, I mean, look, you have to take the notes. And the thing is, it's not even that you have to take the notes. The reality is that, like, I might kind of give out a little bit. about oh, fucking notes. Uh, and actually, the reality is, is that, like... You know, when you try something and it works out really well, they're like, "God damn them! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were right all along."
1: Their but, job uh, is to be the audience, so. But well, that's it. Yeah. Is, that
0: is it. And and what I found with the execs that I worked with as well is that like they didn't feel like there was it was uh, some sort of power play or ego thing at all. I mm-hmm. felt like everybody was genuinely mm-hmm. wanted to make the best possible show, and their their notes were all coming from a loving place. <laughs> First, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so it was a great experience, and they trusted me a lot as well i mean it is interesting like you know about subjectivity it, because the music was a big part of it for me so i was listening to a lot of music when i was making but of course you know we didn't have that kind of budget mm. to to put in like a lot of popular tracks or anything yeah. like that into it yeah, yeah. but we had um we had an amazing composer vince pope and then we also kind of used emi records and then um i had musician friends in Wexford as well so I used some of their original tracks as Good well guys. on it yeah. Yeah. so cool. it's uh, Cursed Murphy and The Resistance he's like spoken word performer and uh, and Odie she's a brilliant singer-songwriter Is our partner so it was great because then I could use you know like we were yeah, like okay yeah you know there's plenty of talent yeah. out there you know yeah, so yeah. Um, and We were able to to use them on maybe three of the episodes, I think. If
2: someone said to you tomorrow, you can make, like, a a feature film or do a TV show, which would you... Do you have a preference? You
0: You know, it's funny because, obviously, you know, like when I was coming up with, with, you know, my own shows that I want to develop, um, it was a mix of, like, it was usually feature films, ideas for feature films. Mm -hmm. And then I had, like, a couple of ideas for TV series. But actually, working in TV now, I really do like that longer form kind mm. of storytelling as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I probably a TV series is probably what I'd like to develop myself. Yeah. In, you know, but... Um,
2: do you want to pitch an idea right now?
0: No. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, is was there any lesson
1: that you wish you'd learn sooner along the road?
0: As an actor, I think I was afraid to be myself. You know, like we're sitting here and we're talking, I'm just being me. Yeah. And that means it's okay for me to say I don't know stuff. Yeah. And I think as an actor, I always felt like I didn't know enough, which I probably didn't. I should have you know, learn more about my craft as an actor and that's probably why I'm a director instead, because I realise ah, oh, this is the passion. This is, you know, the passion for yeah. this is what I feel. Um, this is makes me want to work day and night at this, you know. Whereas I think, you know, the acting was a bit of a a fantasy in a way. You mm-hmm. know, like like I liked it, I tried it, but I wasn't really committed to it in the same way as I was with directing. Right. But, you know, when you go into auditions, you know, y, y- Rejection is a part of the the job. It just comes part and parcel of the job. So I think what happened was with acting, I was able to. I had experienced a lot of rejecting rejection, which helped me a lot in as a director yeah. then as well, because I had no expectations really, and uh, I could only rely on myself and my kind of my own kind of determination. Um, I. Show
2: business had beaten you down so much that nothing could hurt you anymore.
0: I <laughs> can't yeah, so, oh see, that's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. No, um, But I, I was terrified. I used to go into auditions and I would shake. I would sh- just shake so much because I had like, built up this idea in my head of what I think other people think I should be. Um, oh, I can't say I have a daughter. I can't say, you know, I have to say I'm living in Dublin. So all these things all the time was like I felt like I wasn't couldn't yeah. really fully be myself yeah. and when i started directing i just got more comfortable in being me and i think that's in in you know I, I i'm not good at bullshitting i'm not good at like trying to be anything that i'm not and that's kind of okay as well yeah. but now i have enough experience yeah, yeah. <laughs> that i can talk about these things so i don't I, look i don't know about advice that i have really i mean just that you know, if you love something, I mean, ultimately what, what matters is your passions in life and you've you got to pursue them. But you got to, you know, you also have to realize that there's a way in which you need to do things as well. So I think, like, I never knew how to read instructions, you know, yeah. like I until I had my son, I discovered Lego. <laughs> and I learned how to read instructions, and right. there's kind of pathways right. with directing, and the path that I, t- I decided to start listening a little bit more about, like, uh, uh, about developing my own my 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 craft, and realizing that okay, nobody is going to just say here make your TV series that you know like you're so talented <laughs> and you haven't got you know you've got. Fuck all experience, but you're super, super talented. So go. Here's all the money in the world, and you're going to make your TV series. That's not going to happen. Yeah, you got to earn it, and you got to earn like you know the the trust of the the trust of your producers and the trust of your cast, and that comes with like it's it's going to be you know it's going to be a bit of a long road. You're not going to be handed anything, Um, and so just keep building on your own portfolio. You know, when you see opportunities, seize them. Yeah. Um, Respect everybody around you that you ever meet, not just in the industry, just in life in general. Yeah. Um And always remember that you know nothing.
1: Excellent. <laughs> That's, know. Thanks very much.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. and accept <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's always more to learn.
1: Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that's a good answer. Um, well, Laura, thank you so much for chatting us. It was fantastic. Cheers. All right,
0: cheers. See you again. Much. Cheers. Okay. Thanks. Bye
1: bye. F and I wrap chat is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network and recorded at the podcast studio in Dublin City Centre. Shout outs to our sponsors, Wildcard Distribution and Film Equipment Store. This episode was produced and edited by Larry McGowan. See you next time on Rap Chat. And before we go, here's another show we recommend that is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
0: I'm Trevor. I'm Ed. And I'm Andrea And we are The The Sinistream Sinistream Club Club. Where we take a movie That society deems a classic
1: And put it to the Sinistream test
0: Where we ask all
1: the tough questions like Does this movie make any sense? Why isn't Tom Hanks in this movie? How many sandwiches are in this film? What kind of watches are people wearing? Was
0: that sex scene really necessary? Says my
1: mother What trivia does Trev know In Trev's Trivia what trivia do I know in Travis Trivia? That's what I said. I, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All these questions and more will be answered every fortnight in the Cine Stream Club.
2: Available from wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And the Headstuff Podcast Network.